Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, in a week with more wrestling content than we know what to do with. An all-time classic Iron Man match, two amazing Bloodline segments, the return of John Cena, some huge WrestleMania announcements, and that's just scratching the surface. I am Jack Murley, here every week with co-host and professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. Uh, Good morning, Mr. Beckett, and what a week. Good morning, Mr. Murley. Good morning, everyone. And yeah, just a serious week to be a wrestling fan. eh? If you're... If you're not happy this week as a wrestling fan, it's with something, just retire. Retire from your fandom because there was a bit of everything for everyone this week. It is the sort of week where you realise that WWE is ramping up on the road to WrestleMania. They are really going for it. And I am as excited for WrestleMania as I have been in many, many years. We'll get into all of that later. Remember, you can rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. And we're going to get straight into it with AEW hitting a home run with their Revolution pay-per-view on Sunday in San Francisco. John Moxley and Hangman Adam Page deliver a death match that was just as bloody as we thought it would be and MJF and Brian Danielson go to sudden death in about 70 minutes in their Iron Man match before MJF retains his title. Charlie, we had high expectations for Danielson MJF and for me, it delivered and then some. Yeah, it was it was exceptional, wasn't it? We, we spoke last week about how it can be difficult to um, deliver on the high purveyor and Iron Man match because they're so long. Uh, but I thought we got a bit of a masterclass in how to keep the pace at a uh, sustainable pace while not ever feeling boring or feeling tired or feeling like we didn't need the 60 then come 70 minutes. Um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a fantastic match. I liked it was only three to three by the end as well. We didn't have one of those Iron Man matches where someone snatches a quick pin and we're looking at five, four, six, five. I thought, of course, it's going to take a while for that first fall to come. I, th- I thought it was just brilliant. I've seen five-star ratings for it. I've seen some people say it's the best AEW match ever. That's subjective, but if you're a wrestling fan and you haven't found a way to see that match yet, bank out a couple of hours and do so, because it was just spectacular. Yeah, I I think it should definitely be in the conversation for all those accolades. Um, It's a brilliant match. I I enjoyed it greatly, and like I say, it's not an easy thing to do over that amount of time. Anyone who listens to our podcast regularly knows I I don't like my wrestling to go too long. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Um, so, <laughs> I, Charlie I Beckett, really... trademark. Good time, not a long time. Beckett, good time, not a long time. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was a very, very good match, and it was a very, very good pay-per-view. It was one of AEW's best, I think. I think what it showed is Danielson, in his loss, made MJF an even bigger star. And I don't know why some people have slept on MJF as an in-ring talent, but I've never watched him and gone, this guy isn't exceptional when it comes to structuring a match, getting heat, doing all the things a wrestler should do. And his athleticism, you just look at him, he's got himself into even better shape than he was. If anyone had any lingering doubts about MJF's ability in the ring, boy oh boy were they answered. Yeah, this was the best thing for him as, quote-unquote, a wrestler to go this long with Danielson, who's probably the best wrestler on the planet at the moment. If not, he's always in the conversation. So I think people sleep on MGF as a wrestler because he's so good at everything else. So it's easy to think he won't be because we've seen a lot of people in the past who their careers are carried just by being so great on the mic or being a great heel, these sorts of things. But MGF is the full package. He is, and we shouldn't forget that Brian Danielson 
And I know he's been back for a little while now, but who would have thought when he had that emotional retirement speech on Raw, which in the grand scheme of things wasn't that long ago, and he sat out for years, that he'd be back having match of the year contenders. We're only in March. That is going to be a match of the year contender by the end of 2023. He's as good as he's ever been. Yeah, he he really is. And he's just allowed to be everything he needs to be and wants to be in AEW, isn't he? Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't have been able to in WWE, especially this new WWE under Triple H, but he's just just prospering in so many ways in AEW and he loses nothing from losing that match. But MJF and AEW just gain so much. What I loved about the presentation of the match as well is I I think Taz added so much to that match on the call. And we like a bit of sport in our sports entertainment. I love the way that he was going, no, you, you, this is a different style of match. You need to tap quickly now. You need to save the fall. Don't be drinking water in between falls, MJF. It's going to cramp up your stomach. Taz really bought into it as an athletic contest, and he took me with it. I thought he had his best night in AEW on the mic. Yeah, it, he gives a perspective that none of the other great commentators can because one thing we've never really seen in wrestling before is a great wrestler as in a technician sort of wrestler like Taz was you watch Taz it's very easy to think he was just this big bruiser but actually he was unbelievably technical if you go and watch his matches but also really scary Mm. um we haven't really had almost an analyst in the booth like the you you watch Tony Romo um, commentate on NFL. He analyzes. You listen to the conversations they have in the studio, the Roy Keens, the Gary Neville's, the Graham Sewers of this world. Like they analyze the game in football. You see it in rugby with Brian Driscoll, Lawrence Delalio, Austin Healy, Ben K. We haven't had that really in wrestling, and I really, really enjoyed that. I thought Taz did a brilliant job, as you said. I think it's great. I think he, as much as anything, made that match the spectacle it was. In the post-match presser, uh, which is always a dangerous place for AEW stars to go. Panic! Panic! Aren't you amazed they still do them? Uh, MJF was his entertaining best and kept saying he was the best in the world. And if you are someone who buys into this type of... Oh, here he goes again. No, not me. Not me. But I've been messaged by four different listeners to this podcast this week at least saying beyond a shadow of a doubt this is foreshadowing a punk turn i've had some people say it because he kept saying he's the best in the world i've had some people say it because he kept wearing the towel over his head not me i completely missed it and i was looking out for it but a lot of people have said this surely is teasing a punk return well it's certainly teasing he knows what he's doing yes there's no doubt about that whether it's just him teasing either teasing the fans teasing cm punk directly Teasing Tony Khan. You don't know. There's certainly teasing going on. He knows what he's doing. I wouldn't put it past MJF just do it off his own back. Would you? This is what yeah, I we'll said. Talk about this. But in the way the world should work in companies, yes, that should be him teasing that because that's what's happening. But I've no idea. I, I, I won't lie. I've given up trying to predict it because the last 12 to 18 months of wrestling, trying to predict it has just been work like me trying to get a haircut doesn't really work (laughs) 
And I'm glad you said that rather than me. I'm going to leave that one alone. I didn't see it. I'm going to say, I'm completely honest, that passed me by. Um, thank you to the reaction as well for last week's show with our discussion about CM Punk. Uh, some interesting messages. Thank you to Ed, who said he was completely on board with you and what Good you were man, saying Ed. about stars in locker rooms. You can only bend so far and he wouldn't have Punk back at all. So uh, that last week episode up in the archive for you to listen to. Now, Mox and Paige went to war in a Texas death match. And here's something I never thought i'd say it was too bloody even for me it it crested the wave and then it jumped the shark for me yeah there was a lot was that was that why you went and gave blood this week did you see that i think oh god <laughs> they're gonna need it they're gonna need it so i best go and give some do you know, um, do you know it was it was yeah. a segment with the brick the moment yeah. someone is hitting someone else in the head with a brick and that's not the end of the match and the end of their career like that's the point yeah. i go mm, too much we, we talk about it a lot. We know wrestling isn't real and you have to take it a pinch of salt, but I like there to be some some realism. And if you caved a man's head in with a brick in the street, like you're going to kill him, give him brain damage, knock him out at the very least. You're not going to carry on fighting after that. Um, so yeah, it takes me out of it a little bit. Uh, it takes me out of the realism of it. And it's like, well, I know I'm watching something that is fake here, but also something that's very, very dangerous for these two men. And they are losing an awful lot of blood here. And it's not, I, I've, I've got a record many times. It's not my favorite thing. Like I don't love these matches. I particularly wasn't a fan of this one, not because it was a bad match. I thought, and not because either of them didn't do a brilliant job, just because it's not my cup of tea, Texas death matches. And I think they probably built the story to the point where the stipulation fit it. So I get it. I'm not knocking the storytelling, but I just, and I know people will say, well, how, how can you have a world in which there's a wrestling dinosaur and an undertaker and blah, 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 but a brick is too far. I, I don't know. It's a bit like that old saying about pornography. How do you define it? I don't know, but I know it when I see it. And that for me was, I know it when I see it, that was just too much for me. However, Right Man came out on top uh, in Hangman Adam Page. I thought that would be the end of the feud, but it looks like they're doing more with Mox and uh, uh, Page based on Dynamite this week. Um, FTR return, and it looks like they're feuding with the guns as well. And the tag division needs it. Yes, it does. We we need it. FTR need it. The tag division needs it. AEW needs it. The guns, I think we all knew, would be title holders to get it to the next the next team uh and the next team should be ftr and i'd like to see a good rivalry through the summer a good showdown between ftr and the acclaimed i'd really like that i think there's there's money in that there's lots to be done in that and it's just good to see ftr back and hopefully back in a good headspace and ready to do some really good wrestling because am i right in saying their last match with the briscoes is that am i correct in that I think they may have lost to the guns, possibly on a dynamite, right. but, but one one of certainly. Either way, we we all know the um, how close they were with the Briscoes and how much the uh, passive J will have affected them. So it's good to see them be in a place where they're happy to come back and wrestle and hopefully be as brilliant as they were. So AEW have a great show, really good, and actually it didn't go on for about seventy-two hours as you might have yeah, thought. Which it was would nice. Do. Which was nice. Yeah, we saw the elite loser tag titles to House of Black. We saw uh, Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks in the opening match. It should have been, I think, AEW that everyone was talking about this week. However, given how hot WWE is, it just seems like they can't quite find a way in the conversation. Yeah, AEW could not have done more this week. Um... I completely slept on the fact there was a casket match as well. I missed that this week, that there was a casket match this week. That surprised me when I saw that. 
Um, just pop one of them in. Haven't seen one of them for a while. Yeah, there's and and, and good there's, as well. The, but yes, but there's a silly stipulation, <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, AEW had a really, really strong week across pay-per-view and television. But WWE are just hitting home run after home run after home run at the moment. They are. I, I want to disagree with you on, on the television side for AEW, actually, because one criticism I do have is I don't think the follow-up was anywhere near as strong, anywhere near as strong as it should have been on Dynamite. I think if you're going to have a show like you have, you don't kick off Dynamite with Orange Cassidy against Jay Lethal for the for the All-Atlantic title. You don't main event it with a T. Hey, and- hey, hey, put some respect on my boy, the All-Atlantic title's name. Which that isn't... Is a- Beautiful belt. But it's changing its name. It's now the AEW International Championship. What? I know. I know. The th- the oh, fourth most important name. Rubbish. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Oh, well, that's made me sad. But don't you think that if... I can't remember exactly what WWE did on the Monday Night Raw after Sammy made his choice at the Rumble, Right. But I know they carried the story on. I know it was threaded all the way through the program. I know that it was a huge deal. And I just sometimes think AEW storytelling, I think it's better than it was. I just don't think they've got a handle on storytelling, how to grow their audience. And we saw 850,000 watching again this Wednesday in the States. That sort of seems to be their ceiling they've hit at the moment. Yeah, do you think it comes from... There's a lot of very experienced people in AW, but as a company as a whole, they're rather inexperienced still. I think it's if you're making a wrestling show, if you're making a wrestling company, the the quote unquote easy thing to do is fill it with great wrestlers and fill it with great matches. The storyline's the harder thing to do. Do you think we're still seeing that? Yeah. I, I think it is. I think it's always the best thing to do in business is to uh, admit what you don't do well. And I think AW has done a tremendous job to get where they are. The fact they're still going is testament to how well they've done. They need a Bully Ray. They need an Eric Bischoff. They need a Paul Heyman. They need a storyteller who can sit in that backstage area and come up with stories that work week for week. So we're not going, wait, hold on, QT Marshall is suddenly appearing in the main event and now it's Powerhouse Hobbs, but oh, wait, here's Juice Robinson. You need someone who can tell episodic storytelling. And I I still think if I could wave a magic wand for AEW, that would be what I'd do. And not episodic storytelling for the invested already, but that will grab people in, that will get your rugby mate saying to you, hey, what's this storyline in AEW that, that that I'm seeing going on? I think that's what they're missing, don't you? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think they're very good at spectacle, less, less good out week to week. Let's talk about the finest example of episodic storytelling in years in WWE, almost tempted to say decades. There's a conversation to be had there. We saw two classic segments on back-to-back WWE shows. We'll start with SmackDown, where Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes go face-to-face in goosebumps for me, absolute goosebumps. Take me away on that segment, Charlie, because that was extraordinary. I made my girlfriend sit down and watch it. and She doesn't like wrestling. And I was like, just watch this and tell me this doesn't make you want to watch this match. Because you know what? I want to see this match now. All we've been saying is, oh, they're going to struggle to get us invested. Oh, my word. When Roman Reigns said, do you know what he said about you? Nothing. I was like, oh, 
Oh, Roman, that's so cold. That's the worst thing you could have said to him. Cold like he was going to cry. It was just sensational. And they're using, they're using real life so well. They're using Dusty and Dusty's kids without being disrespectful to Dusty, without being disrespectful to any of the wrestlers, without even being that disrespectful to Cody. Because you know what? I bet he did think like this. I bet there were times he was like, hang on, why is my dad investing all his time making all these other wrestlers great when I'm here failing as stardust? Oh, but then Cody as well. Cody's also brilliant because he's so right. All the things we said, he'd never, ever, ever come back from. It'd be impossible for him to survive these things. The stardust, the AW, the everything. Oh, it was just, it was just excellent. My favourite moment where I bought in came even before that, where it's just the two of them in the ring and Roman lays those belts down Mm. in front of Cody and says, you ever won that one? You ever won that one and points at them both? I just, man, that was, that. I, I, can't, I can't tell people who don't get wrestling how exciting and how cool that moment was. It, it just sensational. It was when he said, you ever even competed for that one? And it was like, oh, you just don't think this guy's on your level. You genuinely don't believe he's good enough to get in the ring with you at WrestleMania. And it just... Roman is so good. Cody is so good. And it is such a... Oh, we talk all the time, don't we, about, oh, you can do face on face. You can do heel on heel. It works. These days. When you get a good baby face and a good heel with a good story, it is still the best thing you can deliver in wrestling. And... The only issue is, I think I want the bad guy to win. Yeah. Th- well, this is... A, so, uh, firstly, does Roman think Cody's on his level? No. To his face. But I love that as he walked up the aisle, he looks back at Cody and smirks. This guy hasn't got anything on me. But when he looks away and he's looking away from Cody, you can see the concern in Roman's eyes. I, oh, for the first time, I want Cody to win. For the first, that is how good a segment they've done. They've won me round, the Sami Zayn guy on, yeah, if Cody is stood at the end of night two of WrestleMania, holding both those belts up, I am a happy boy. Yeah, so am I. I say I want Roman, but I'm just a massive Roman. I will pop for Cody winning if they keep building like this massively, massively, massively. And also, I'm a big Cody Rhodes fan. I think he's brilliant. I love him in ring, out of ring. Excellent. Um, when a wrestler's going to learn, by the way, that just because other people can't see him, if there's a camera on them, we can still all see them. <laughs> it's it's not quite not quite something they've mastered yet. But, ah, this cameraman's here, but no one will see the worried look on my face. But man, those nuances, those nuances. So that is an all-time segment for me, an absolute all-time segment. And you think, now Sami Zayn's going to have to go some great guns because they've taken him away from Roman, which carried that storyline on SmackDown for such a long time. And then on Monday Night Raw, we get Jey Uso finally make his choice. And he destroys Sami Zayn and he sides with Jimmy. But for a moment, he had us all believing. An all-time Raw, by the way, I think. An yes. all-time Raw with an all-time ending because we haven't even got onto the other stuff that happened in Raw. Particularly just, just on that, for a non-themed Raw. Take your Raw 30s, your Raw 1000, just, just, just for an everyday Raw. Yeah, and oh, it was just brilliant. So it was that good. I'd forgotten about Roman and Cody. Like, I'd forgot those things happened because... The way they are intertwining the Usos with Solo, with Sammy, with Kevin. 
I managed to watch the highlights unspoiled, so I genuinely thought Jay was going with Sammy. I was like, what? What? I don't understand how that's going to work. And then, boom, super kick. You thought I was siding with you. This is family. Ah, just, it's just brilliant. And then even like at the end, you're sure it's going to be KO making the save. And it's Cody. Like that shocked me. And what I like that they're doing is they're not hiding from the fact of, we know you wanted this really. We know these stories are intertwined. The easy thing for us to do would be to force Cody down your throat and ignore the Sammy of it all. That'd be the easy thing for us to do. But that's not what humans would do. That's not that's not how this works. And also, Cody's a good guy. Is the story? So that's not Cody wouldn't wouldn't miss the opportunity to go and help someone whose Roman's family are beaten down. So I think we'll see Ro um not Roman. I think we'll see Cody and Sammy versus the Usos in the next few weeks in the tag team main event or something like that. Like they're going to intertwine these stories. It seems, and it's just really really clever. And I love that I was wrong again. I remember sitting after Elimination Chamber. Oh, I don't like that ending. They should have... What do I know? What do I know? I love that they took their time. They trusted, to use a phrase I'm sure you use, they trusted the process of where they wanted to go. And for me, I've been watching wrestling for a long time. This is the most excited about Monday Night Raw and WWE I have been since the Attitude Era. That's a big call to make. But since the Attitude Era, it is delivering moments every single week and suddenly we have a mid-card and stories and WWE is must-watch again. So, uh, two things. is First of all, I'm not sure well, what's going to happen that KO sides with Sammy. What is going to cause that? I I, I, what, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't even predict. I was thinking about it earlier. I don't really know what that, that moment's going to be, but oh my God, the pop when they do. Secondly, I, I watch Raw um normally on YouTube it's how I pick up Raw because I haven't got three hours on a Tuesday to sit down. Raw used to take me 15 to 20 minutes to watch because I'd watch three or four segments max. It's now almost an hour when yeah. I watch it on you because you can't skip anything. You can't skip any of it because there's so much. It's not just this storyline. Everything is excellent at the moment. I was having this conversation with someone this week and they said, apart from the bloodline, what stories are there in WWE? And you go, well... Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, the, the Judgment Day stuff with Edge, Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. You've got story everywhere. And that's even if you just watch the main roster, because NXT, which I haven't had time to get back into. But it's good again. It's good again. That's beginning to get good again. So, I mean, we have all the pieces in place for the Usos versus Owens and Sammy at WrestleMania. I don't think there's any doubt that is where we are going to get to. Wouldn't surprise me if we don't hear it officially announced until the Monday before. Like, even if we have a, will I see you at WrestleMania, Kevin? You'll just have to wait and see, Sammy. Maybe we leave it as a tease. Does it need a stipulation? Does it need to be the main event? It doesn't need a stipulation. It can be a straight-up tag match with those four men in it. And yeah, it does. It needs the main event at night one for me. Yeah, I think it needs a stipulation. Do you? What stipulation would you put on it? No holds barred. Something like that. I Why do you think it needs that? Because I think these four men want to tear each other apart. And I don't think you can... Look, look. Firstly, I know nothing. They can do whatever they want. They have the credibility. I know nothing. But do I... Do you see Sammy sitting on the edge waiting for a tag from KO? Do, do you see that? I, I don't know. I think for me, a stipulation allows it to have the emotional crescendo maybe it needs. Maybe you do two out of three falls. Maybe that's a stipulation. I don't know. 
yeah, I'd enjoy that. I, I always like a two out of three falls. Um, but no, I, I think that's great. And then, like I said, like just the rest of Raw as well. Like it, it's not just one story at the moment. It's so good. It's so good. Let's talk about the rest of Monday Night Raw. John Cena returns to his hometown and gets a superstar reaction before accepting Austin Theory's challenge for a WrestleMania match for the United States title, confirmation of Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul, and a six-person tag match between Damage Control, Lita, Trish, and Becky. Cena and Theory is going down at Mania. I can't remember the last time John Cena had an official announced match at WrestleMania. Possibly 33 Undertaker was a tease, wasn't he? Yeah, he was take, be there. yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but yeah, it's did, a very, did the rap who? battle? No, thir, thir, <laughs> thirty four. He did Undertaker. Thirty five. He came out as old. Came out as Doctor Thugonomics. Thirty. Uh, maybe it was a, the Firefly Fun Funhouse at um. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. still, it's it's un- an in ring match. We haven't yeah. seen John Cena at Mania for a long time. Um, oh, John didn't come to play, did he this week? John. John went in on Austin Theory. Like, went in on Austin Theory. Like, it reminded me of when we had him at, um, versus Roman Reigns back in 2018 at No Mercy, I think, or Vengeance, because that makes sense. Uh, that big match at that pay-per-view. <laughs> um, oh, he just went in. I saw the, the overall um, reaction online was loving it, and I was a big, big fan of it. I thought it was really good, and I like when John Cena gets passionate and real. I saw a few people being online being like, I don't get what theory gets out of this now. Like, Cena has laid it out for us. If he loses, he's done. And if he wins, well, he should. So where's the upside for theory? And I think the upside is he's having a marquee match with John Cena. Now, the boy has to win. Mm. Also, theory has to win just after this one promo. But when he said, I'd rather be bald than have them pipe in fake reactions because no one cares about my matches. I was like, oh, John, that's... That's just true. So you are in a sporting environment, and I've been thinking about this analogy. You must have had times where you either were the player or were, were, let me say this again, you must have had times where you were the player giving this advice or the player receiving this advice, where a veteran or you as an older player sits down with someone with all the talent and goes, you need to up your game. You have all the tools. You need to deliver on your potential. And part of me wondered if that was, yeah, it was scripted storyline, John Cena, but part of me wonders if that was a saying, Theory, let's see if you can step up to this mark. You're never going to have a better opportunity. The WWE is giving you John Cena at WrestleMania. You need to step up, right? Yeah, you got to deliver on this now. This is one of the biggest matches they can give you in wrestling. And also, they're probably going to put you over John Cena at WrestleMania. Like, a lot of people for a long time... Didn't get that privilege. A lot of people. So you need to deliver on this. He also doesn't need to be there. Cena does not need to be there. That that show is not going to live or die by John Cena being on it. And John Cena's career is not going to live or die by an Austin Theory US title feud at WrestleMania. So John Cena is giving Austin Theory this moment. And I think as much as it was a scripted either way you lose theory. I think that was a gauntlet thrown down to this guy who lost the money in the bank briefcase opportunity for the US title, who has always been seen as Vince McMahon's boy. I think this is the powers that be at WWE saying, all right, show us, show us what you got. Yeah, I think so. And I hope he does. I hope they have a great match. Um, It'll be a great atmosphere for it. Just 
I just love seeing John Cena get the reactions he deserves. Because he really does deserve them. He's been really... I know we had the issues with him. We, as if they were personal, as if me and John had a fallout. <laughs> me, you and John had a fallout. It was terrible. Um, we didn't talk for years. I know the mid-2000s and the early 10s were tough sometimes because it was just Cena, 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 Cena. But he has devoted his life to this business. He has worked harder than anyone, it seems. It seems like he's a bit weird, but a really brilliant bloke in real life with all the make-a-wish work he does. And that's, It's hard to dislike John Cena because of that sort of stuff. And for so long, he had such mixed and poor reactions. It's nice just to see him get emotional the fact that finally he's just getting the adoration he deserves. And I think there'll be a time we go back and look at John Cena's career and we go, man, that US title open challenge when he'd oh. already been to the top of the mountain was one of the best things in WWE. Man, he carried us through the Nexus years and he was the other side of that CM Punk foil as well. I think there'll be a... When John Cena wraps it up and all is said and done, I know Michael Cole calls him the greatest of all time. I think that is a, a, a judgment call, but I think you can stack up enough to say he's in that conversation. And I think we're finally beginning to recognize that now. And I think it's we're all getting older. We're not the kids mm. who are having John Cena shoved down our throat. We're now more astute and more knowledgeable in our fandom, and we recognize what he's done for us. Well, yeah, uh, 100%. And you know what I enjoy about John Cena is, as he's grown up, he's wearing slightly less colourful clothes. <laughs> as we all do. He's gone yes. through his uh, his Primark stage, and now he's found the joys of Marks and Spencers. Yes. Welcome to the club, John. Hey, i tell you what I think is going to low-key be match of the weekend, and that is Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. I, If I was a betting man and someone said, Jack, Fiverr on the match that over-delivers, Seth Rollins and Logan Paul is going to be the one. Yeah, they're just going to do a load of athletic stuff and the promos be great and it'll be two showmen putting on a show. It will be brilliant. And I don't particularly like Logan Paul as a person. It doesn't seem he's my cup of tea, but he's really good at this sports entertainment stuff. Really good. Do you like the fact that it's taken him quite so long to realise that, hey, I don't think people like me? Because there was mm. a long time he was like, I'm a baby face. I think, no, I don't think no. you are Logan. I don't think you're a baby face at all. And finally he's gone. Yeah, you're probably right. and probably not. Yeah, I think you're as healy as heel gets really Logan. Yeah. I think that's going to be great. And I think Seth Rollins uh, deserves a match with Logan Paul, which, which I know sounds odd, but if you're not going to be in the title picture, which you're not, where's a better spot for Seth Rollins than, than Logan Paul? Yeah. If you're not in the title picture and you're not in one of the bloodline storylines, this is, a big marquee match now because Logan Paul has the following. Like there will be people around the world talking about Seth Rollins now because Logan Paul will be talking about on his podcast. Logan Paul will have them all over Instagram, that sort of stuff. This is the most eyes you can have on you at WrestleMania without being in the main event. So does Logan Paul need Seth Rollins for WrestleMania or does Seth Rollins need Logan Paul for this year's WrestleMania? Seth Rollins doesn't need Logan Paul, Seth Rollins has already had a, fa a Hall of Fame career, whatever happens. Seth Rollins, if he wants to stay as um, as current as possible, as important as possible, as in the spotlight as possible coming out of WrestleMania, yeah, there isn't a better match for him right now than this. We're also getting at WrestleMania, Lita, Trish and Becky against Damage Control. Six Wild. Six-person Wild. tag, why not? Just throw it in there. Um, what that does mean is it doesn't... It doesn't seem like we're going to see uh, Lita and Becky against Shayna and Ronda. And mm. suddenly it's quite hard to see where Shayna and Ronda fit on the card. It is. It is. And that is tough. And 
it's the big um it's the big question that's gone for years and of do you for the humanity of it get as many people on the WrestleMania card as possible because it's the big payday? Or do you make them earn it and deliver the best wrestling show you can? It seems like we're going down the wrestling show. And if you're if you're not in a feud, if you're not performing at a level that is um is appropriate to be on the WrestleMania card, you're not gonna be. It doesn't seem like we're gonna have, unless they're announced late, any big battle royals, those sorts of things. So I it's quite a harsh thing to say, but I kind of like it. That's how that's how the real sporting world would work. Yeah. But I also heard from one of our listeners, Ryan, a great theory this week, which I think I don't think we're as used to yet a two night WrestleMania. And he said, well, what about this? What about Lita Trish and Becky against Damage Control night one? And at the end of that match, when Lita Trish and Becky are all taking their bows at the top of the ramp, Shayna and Ronda attack Lita and Becky and lay them all out. And then Lita and Becky go backstage and say, you want us? We'll see you tomorrow at WrestleMania. And suddenly you've got storyline and intrigue for the second night. Yeah, there's loads we can play that we never have with two nights of WrestleMania because it's so new to us. So it'd be interesting to see if they do that this year. It's a really good point. Like, give me something on night one that changes night two. Yeah, and it and it beats just doing the same thing, you know, more mm. pyro, more performances. So look, in terms of Mania this year, excitement this year versus excitement previous years, where are you on the Charlie Beckett scale? I'm really, really excited for Mania this year. Really excited. I'll tell you something that went very under the radar this week that I think if we were talking about on any other week would have been spoken about is the build to the IC title match at Mania. Yes. SmackDown. I'm really enjoying that. They're very slowly bugging away the, the whole Drew comes out and challenges. You're like, oh, Drew versus Gunther. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for that. Then Sheamus comes out livid, as you would, because his best mate's gone behind his back to challenge the thing that he wants. Drew's just like, you've had two shots at it. And then all the big boys just come out and start saying, no, 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 I want this match. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, okay, we're going ladder match. But now we've got a five-way elimination match for number one contender mm. on SmackDown tonight. Xavier Woods has been added to that as well. Yeah, which, how cool. That's going to end in some sort of kerfuffle because we're surely getting a six-man ladder match for this. Surely. There is no match that would be a better opener than a six-person ladder match. for, for, for uh, Any multi-person ladder match at Mania is going to start it right. Because also, very good way to get the title off. Gunther, while protecting him, he doesn't get pinned. And then, ooh, get him in that world title picture. Yeah, I tell you what, and they teased it at the Rumble. Assuming Cody comes out on top and Roman takes some time away and Sammy's got other issues, Gunther is not a bad shout to be Roman uh, to be Cody's first challenger. I am as excited for this year's WrestleMania as I have been mm. probably since WrestleMania... 33 probably as yes. far back as that i liked the one with becky charlotte and ronda main eventing because that felt cool and different but i think since then i've just been like ah, oh, mania's happening this is the first one where i'm like yeah i am i cannot see spoilers i can't know anything that's going on i need to know this fresh on the day yeah someone said to me charlie can you do this for me on the 2nd of april and i said yes but i'll be tired <laughs> There's no way I'm not watching that first that the, this live. No way. This is just it's brilliant. It's enormous. It's it's it, I I'm yeah I am hyped for Mania at the moment. But tell me the last time you weren't hyped for a pay per view for um for WWE and it's exciting. Like our next three. I, I saw this this week. The next three WWE premium live events, their pay per views, are all outside the of America after Mania. Yes. All outside America because we're going to Puerto Rico for Backlash. Which is going to be bananas. 
hosted by Bad Bunny. Our mate Bad Bunny. We love Bad Naughty Bunny. Naughty Rabbit. <laughs> Naughty Rabbit. Then we're off to our favourite place, Saudi Arabia. But for King of Queen the Ring, which is exciting. Yeah. But I get your as point. As in, yeah. the, 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 I'm glad they've brought the King of the Ring and the Queen of the Ring paper, King Ring back, brought the Queen of the Ring pay-per-view. A one-night tournament. I'm all for that. I wish it wasn't in Saudi Arabia because it does ruin my excitement of it. Yep. But the actual thought of having a King and Queen of the Ring that we're going to do things with at the end, justice for King's, King Woods is exciting. Just wish that was happening in America or somewhere else. And then we're over to old London Town for Money in the Bank. It's so it, it's such a hot streak. It is such a hot streak for WWE. It's going to be amazing. Um, What do you think? He's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Very quick mention uh, for something where there is no easy segue into it. We were speculating how you get the tag belts off in Ring of Honor. The Briscoes, after the unfortunate and still raw loss of Jay. We now know there will be a multi-person ladder match uh, where Ring of Honor will decide new tag team champions. There is no good way to do this, Charlie. It's a terrible situation, but we now know uh, the emotion for that match, for all sorts of reasons, is going to be just unlike anything we've experienced before. Yeah, they're calling it the Reach the Sky ladder match, aren't they? Which is just, it's going to be so emotional. So emotional. Um, they'll see the Lucha Brothers are the first two yeah. announced for it. So you already know it's going to be an amazing match because it's a ladder match with the Lucha Brothers in. Um, I would be surprised if we don't see FTR in that. Yep, I agree. I think we will see FTR in that. And I think we will see one of the most emotional nights and matches in wrestling for a long, long, long time. And yeah, it will be, there'll be a lot of eyes on that match for the wrong reasons because everyone will want to see how it's done and want to pay their respects. But you just know the six, eight, 10, 12 men, however many men they have in that match will be desperate to put on their absolute best match in honor of, uh, of Jay Briscoe. So I'm sure it'll be a brilliant match, but a very, very emotional. And as you said, no easy way whatsoever for ring of honor to move these tag titles on, but you have to, uh, I think this is as good a way as they could have. I agree. I completely agree. And that will be one uh, emotional night. Uh, Let's do everyone's favourite part of the podcast. We send something from everyday life that we hate back to developmental. Something we love gets the push first or second this week, Charlie. I'll go first this week. Go. Um, Back to developmental is snow. Just snow. (laughs) Does me, I did. Yeah. It just annoys me. More so our inability as a country to deal with it. Uh, If you go somewhere, they get it often. They know how to deal with it. But we're getting it more often and the whole world just shuts down. Uh, and I've come home this weekend, hence why I'm sat in a different room for anyone watching online, watching the clips. And I didn't bring any waterproof shoes with me because we didn't have any snow in Cheltenham. And it has absolutely chucked it down with snow overnight here up north. So that's good. I'm going to have to go get my feet wet now. Get some so, Crocs on. Get some Crocs. Crocs with, with holes in. Oh, yeah. Didn't think that yeah. through. Uh, so that's my back developmental. And earn the push for me is a man on Instagram called his Instagram is Niall.harbison and he's become my new obsession on Instagram because what this man does is he he's very open that he's a recovering alcoholic, uh, has struggled massively with mental illness. He moved to Kosamui and he now has dedicated his life to helping and rescuing the street dogs of Kosamui. Where's Kosamui? It's one of the Thai islands, I believe. Oh, it's okay. off the coast of Thailand, I think. It's Southeast Asia. Yep. It's an island. I'm 99% sure it's a Thai island, but I could be wrong on that. But it's that area of the world. There are loads of street dogs, and he just spends his day on a moped. He feeds over 500 street dogs a day to make sure they are living. And the one that he 
gets called by the people on the island to go and rescue the ill ones, and he gets them to the vet and then finds them homes. So there's, it, it's he's amazing, and he is looking. And it seems like there is a very different because if you think of street dogs here, you wouldn't look after. But there are just so many of them on the island. They kind of like have little shelters that they all live in together, like oh. almost make shelters together. And he just goes and feeds them to make sure they're eating, make sure they're healthy, and. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Um, and you see, if you go on his Instagram, there's certain dogs that uh, feature a lot. Tina, McMuffin, Jumbo. I know them all. Um, <laughs> and he has some that he takes home and lives with, live with him. Yep. He has some that he has like a, um, almost like a kennel sort of run that when they need to come off the street, he gets them back to the point where they can go back on the street. And then he arranges for them to be adopted all over the world. So some will go to Europe, to England, some go to the main, uh, to Thailand. He finds some disabled ones that he gets to like disabled dog homes that know how to look after them properly and just gives, gives these dogs that would have hideous lives and would die. I imagine very painful and horrible deaths gives them a life and looks after them. And I love dogs. Everyone knows it. So I'm a big sucker for that. And he's just launching a book. Oh, I saw this. Reminds us of his, his name story, again. dot Harbison. He's an Irish fella. Yep. Uh, and he's launched a book uh, he announced yesterday, and every single penny, it says, uh, will go to look after the dogs of profit. So it's exciting. So I just, uh, he's great. I just really feel good. Yep. So that's my earning the push this week. Good for him. We all need some of that. Niall Harbison. Um, my back to developmental, junk mail. Short and sweet. Don't push it through my letterbox. Don't push it through anyone's letterbox. Trees are scarce. We need more trees. We don't need more leaflets about pizzas we can all find out about online. So short and sweet, less junk mail. Do you get a lot of junk mail? I do, and also junk emails. I yeah. know they don't have the they don't have the uh, issue of the environment with paper, mm. but just just junk. Also, and then why? Oh, why sometimes does an important email go to your junk email inbox? Oh, the amount of times, the amount of times that happens. So, yeah, ju- let's say all forms of junk communication. We'll throw yeah. texts and things into that. Uh, and for me, you mentioned it earlier in the context of uh, Mox and Hangman. I'm going to throw giving blood in. I know I do it every time, but it's always really, really important to give blood if you can. I know not everyone can. That's absolutely fine. No worries if you can't. But if you can, go and sit in a chair Squeeze your buttocks together for 15 minutes. They'll take a pint. They'll give you a club biscuit and a pint of water and you help save someone's life. So it's really Is that good. the worst trade ever? We'll take a pint of your blood and here's a pint of water back. No, because you get a club biscuit. And if, like me, you are catnip to a woman of a certain age, you get two club biscuits. Is that what you are, Jack? Are they just, you're, you're, you're unstoppable. They can't resist you. You're unresistible to a woman of a certain age. And I'm saying that age is 55 plus because they want to mm. mother me and I'm very sweet to them. But I'm just saying not everyone came out of there shorn a pint of blood, but up to club biscuits. I did. Merly did. Merly did. did. That's right. And I'll teach you my ways one day. So you too uh, can thank score. You. I'm, I'm excited. With that generation. Um, Look, so you mentioned that match on SmackDown. Who is coming out as a number one contender if there's no kerfuffle? To wrap up, if you had to pick one man to face Gunter uh, on the WrestleMania undercard, who's it going to be? So I, I truly believe they're going to a ladder match, as I said earlier. But if one had to, I'd be tempted to run Sheamus back one more time. Yeah. yeah I, I would be tempted to run Sheamus because we were there that night in Cardiff. I don't know if anyone knows we were. Um, <laughs> and let's be honest, that stole the show. That was unbelievable. And to give Sheamus his moment at Mania... I'd like that. So I'd probably run Sheamus that, but I absolutely would do a multi-man. And if you can get Sheamus doing it, you know what you can also get? A Drew McIntyre heel turn. Mm. 
which is very interesting, isn't it? Because Drew, we have thought Drew's a little bit flat at the moment, isn't he? We've got to get something going for Drew after Mania. Well, we shall see after SmackDown tonight. We shall be back seven days from today for another Earning the Push. If it's anything like the past few weeks in wrestling, it's going to be amazing. Uh, tell a mate about what we do here on the podcast. If you like wrestling as much as we do, like the socials, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Reach out. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I am Jack underscore Merley. And for today, we are out of time. So thanks for listening and bye-bye. Thank you.